Hello and welcome to My Side of the Street with Marie Hanneman. That's me. Today I'll be sharing my journey of healing both past and present so that you know you are not alone. Many times I have felt and still often feel helpless. And then somehow I discover another way and find the courage within to take some new action which consequently helps me step into healthier ways of being. And that's what we will be discussing today. Before we begin today's podcast, I would like you all to understand that my guest is a minor. She is 17 years old, and I have the permission from both of her parents to have this conversation and for it to go wherever she chooses for it to go. Both of her parents are completely aware of the subject matter and have generously more than agreed to allow this conversation to happen. Thank you. Welcome listeners. I hope you are all enjoying the holiday season out there. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Ashley Jones. She's one of my favorite people and I've been able to spend the week with her and we are really enjoying each other and I'm glad she's here in Boise with me. And today, she's my special guest on my podcast. Welcome, Ashley. Would you like to say hi and tell everybody who you are? Hi, everyone. Um, I am Ashley Jones, and I have known Marie for about three years now. I met Marie through my mom and through my mom's recovery, and I'm very grateful to be here with all of you and talking to all of you today. And just to be clear, her mom and I went through drug and alcohol rehabilitation together. So we were patients at the same time. And luckily, Casey was kind enough to share her family with me and I got to know them. Who are you, Ash? Like, what's your age? What do you do right now? Where are you at? What are your... All right. Um, I am 17 years old. I will be 18 in April. I work for the National Weather Service as a storm spotter. I also have two storm chasing teams I'm a part of that are all stationed in Oklahoma. Okay, so you say that again, a little slower. I am part of two storm chasing teams. Storm Uh, chasing teams. mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, go ahead. And they're all stationed in Oklahoma. I am a junior in high school, and I also do babysitting. Nice. So I'm assuming, given the fact that you work, what is the entity you work for? The National Weather Service. There you go. The National Weather Service and that you're part of two storm chasing teams, that that's a bit of your passion. Yes. That would, in red flag or flare, that's your passion, that's your passion. That's what it reads to me. Yes. Okay. So do you want to maybe just give a little clue as to what that is to people? Because not everybody knows that people pay attention to weather. All right. So storm chasing is a group of people who study and chase tornadoes. Um, We do that to get better understanding of these storms and to eventually save more lives and more people through our science and through earlier warning. I think that's really cool. I love that you're a part of that. And I'm assuming that the internet allows you to be a part of these things. Yes, very much. Another reason why I just dig the internet, because it opens the world up to everyone. Like if you, if what you love is not right in your area, if you didn't have the internet, which this is probably so strange to you because the internet's been around since you've been alive, 
But when I was in high school, I couldn't have done any of those things because there was nothing connecting everybody. So I think that's really awesome. I love it. I love that you can find a way to live your passion no matter what. Yeah. The internet definitely helped me meet these amazing people that I've been, I've known for almost four years now. That's cool. That's really awesome. Okay. Today, our topic is going to be more on Ashley's experience with her mom being um, an addict, uh, her experiences as a child, her knowledge or lack thereof of of the addiction. And I'm just going to kind of let her lead the conversation because I think whatever she remembers is is what's going to be the most important thing to talk about. And then we're going to talk about also her mom getting into treatment with me and what that kind of looks like now for her. And I want to start with maybe like something that is your earliest memory, either the first time you knew for sure what was going on or you had a suspicion or your earliest memory of something off, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. I knew about my mom and like her addiction. I knew something wasn't right for a couple of years before 2019. And um, 2019 is the year she got sober. Yes. Okay. Uh, it was just her always being tired. And I remember her always like throwing up and never eating and saying like out of pocket things, like just random hallucination things, like something that isn't normal. And like, she would say random things to like my friends that didn't make sense about that person and just things that didn't make sense. And your mom was an addict to painkillers. Uh, yes. That was her main drug of choice, opiates or painkillers. Yes. Okay, got it. And I remember just knowing it wasn't right. And my brain had always thought, okay, maybe it's drugs. I don't know how my brain knew about it. Right. Since I was young, but I just had a feeling that drugs had something to do with it. And I remember going through like her drawers, trying to figure out what it is, what is causing her to act this way and what exactly was going on. But I was too young to even say anything or really bring it up. Yeah. Let's give some context. So your mom began her relationship with drugs long before you were born. Yes. Or at least a, a few years before you were born. And in, in fact, before she was married to your dad. So there wasn't like a before and after to to be like noticing. But as you got older, you're saying you just noticed, okay, this isn't right. Like this shouldn't be this way yeah. kind of thing. Okay. And you went looking for evidence of such. Yes. Did you ever find any? Not that I can remember. Okay. Or not that I really would have known at that time. Right, because you were young. Because your mom got, so you're 17 now. Your mom got sober when you were 14? Yes. Okay. So that, we're talking a pretty young age, trying to, who and someone who was not familiar with drugs, like what they look like or whatever. So it, it was, you were grasping at straws, trying to find something you didn't know what it looked like. Yes. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. How was that for you, the confusion of that? It was actually very, like, terrifying. I remember the feeling of just being like, I don't understand why is she acting like this? And I remember being worried about her health because 
she wasn't eating. I can always hear her throwing up. And she's up till like six in the morning, never getting sleep. It was just overall very concerning. And like, I'd be like, you need to go to the doctors. And she's like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I think it's just stress. And I knew it wasn't. Right. And right. my brother would be concerned as well, but he kind of brushed it off more than I would. I'm more of an investigator. Yeah. When it comes to things like that. And I don't really take no, I'm fine for an answer. I, I honestly think that that's birth order has a lot to do with that. You're the oldest. And I think oftentimes the oldest, our oldest, including my oldest, holds the the family dynamic and world uh, on their shoulder a bit. They feel the the weight a little more than than those that come after them. Yeah. I think that's part of being an oldest. You know, that's just, you tend to see more because you're older. So you're the first one noticing things, really. It's just kind of that way. Yeah, very much. It was also like, I would try and talk to dad about it as well, and he would push it away as well. He wouldn't discuss the topic either. So I thought I was just being overdramatic for the longest time. Right. And that sounds correct because your mom had a struggle with drugs for a little over 20 years. If your dad had been married to her the whole time, which he was, there had to be some sort of subconscious agreement to not deal with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and you trying to bring it to the surface was probably very difficult for both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, not wrong by any means, because that's how you're processing the information, but still difficult for them to manage, you know? Yeah. I can also understand, like, you don't want your children to be brought into, like, the dark parts of the world. You want yeah. them to see all the light and all the good yeah that you're not you're not really in a hurry at least on my part to say oh look at where i'm messy yeah you know look look at how messy i am you know mm-hmm. it, it's a and i can see the can where the confusion would lie internally like in your gut instinct almost yeah and i see that completely yeah but the longer it stays silent the worse it will get over time yeah I'm really glad that it's not silent anymore for you, for your sake. I mean, it's, it, obviously it's also wonderful for your mother and I'm not discounting that. However, right now our focus is Ashley Jones. Yes. And Ashley Jones living a a confused life is not fun. No. Yeah. I get it. But those were some of my earliest memories and like just the confusion and the like terrified feelings it was yeah and also me just not fully understanding what addiction was i knew it had something to do with some sort of drug or something but i didn't fully understand the extent or what exactly it was now were you educated on drugs in your like elementary school and stuff like that a little bit like with dare you know yeah we did like uh red ribbon week and stuff like that you had a conscious awareness that drugs existed Yes. Okay. Just not any specific knowledge. No. Is there anything else you want to say about that experience or things that you remember before we get to June of 2019? Well, from everything that 
happened, you know, from being like all those feelings and watching my mom just not be herself and say random things and act really strangely, that was also a traumatizing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Most people be like, oh, mom's just on her thing again, whatever. But like now I'm very, I notice I start to freak out when anyone starts saying random things and starts acting really weird. It's, like it's my, something that, that you're on a high alert for. Yes, very much. That's interesting because um, because there someone could have those issues without being on drugs, like with mental illness, things like that. Yet it would probably bring you right back to that fear, no matter what the cause was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that. It's like a PTSD for soldiers who hear loud noises or something to that effect. You know, it's the yeah. same type of trigger. I also am guessing, and 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 don't please don't let me put words in your mouth. But when someone is erratic, which is how you kind of explained your mom, yeah, it, it's hard to trust that space. Yeah, and as a child, not trusting your home space, more specifically your mom and dad's space, that is hard. Very much. And is there residual effects of that? Yeah. I'm just more wary of like what how everyone acts and I get really like really bad anxiety and panic attacks if someone is starting to say things that don't make sense or like acting a certain way that brings me back yeah to how I the things I was going through then got it let's go to June 2019 if you're up for that yeah Okay. Your mom's sober date is June 25th? Yes. Okay. Also, just before we continue on with your mom's story, I would like to discuss that you have a recovery date of June 25th as well. Yes. So why don't you share that, what was happening prior to June 25th and what you made a decision about on June 25th? Well, I was struggling with self-harm for a very long time. And by soft harm, do you mean cutting? Yes. Okay, got it. Um, I was cutting for a very long time. Nobody really knew. Like, no one knew. And when everything happened uh, the day prior to June 25th, so when shit all hit the fan on the 24th, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. I yes, promise. you are absolutely allowed to. And I really, really, like, cut pretty bad. And just after that, I decided... I was at my friend's house when I finally snapped and really did it. And this friend had also struggled with self-harm and she just held me and talked to me and we helped each other through it as well. That's really special. Just from then on, like after seeing her face as she looked at my hand and all that, it made me stop and want to stop. She saw you. She I, saw all of you, everything that was going on. Yeah. And she and and she felt for you. Mm-hmm. And that you, your empathy for her feeling for you really got you to understand what was going on. Yes. That, that's really beautiful to be able to read that emotion. First of all, that's a gift that you have, Ash. And two, that your friend felt for you that strongly. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. So and then. After that, I just stopped and I found, tried to find other things to do. So as of June 25th was your first day not 
cutting. Yes. And you have not cut since. No, I have not. So when your mom celebrates and gets a chip, it's like you're celebrating your recovery and you get a chip, yep. basically. That's really special. I mean, my mom kind of hold each other accountable for it, too. That's but nice. We both keep each other clean. You're working a, you're working your own recoveries, but you're each other's support for yes. that. That's a special thing. And it's also an even more special thing because being um, in a position that you were prior to June 25th, you weren't really feeling a strong connection. You were feeling more afraid. Yes. So if nothing else, you and your mom have that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know. We haven't gotten into your relationship now, but I think it's really awesome that you at least have that. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty important. That's an important date in both of your lives. Very much. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And I absolutely want you to celebrate yourself as often as you need to every freaking day. You made it through another day with finding better ways to comfort yourself. Mm -hmm. If I understand correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it is a way to comfort yourself because you can't control outside things. So you control the pain you're feeling on your body. Yes. Okay. That is very much it. It's like a distraction for the other emotions. Yeah. Got it. Because physical pain goes away. Okay. And like mental and emotional doesn't. Doesn't. So rather than facing the mental and emotional, you create physical pain to distract yourself. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cutting, I'm sure it existed when I was a young person. I just was completely unaware of it. And it's become something more understood mm -hmm. in your generation. So I hear you. And uh, it's very also very interesting to understand it a little bit more, like what exactly it does for you. Yeah. So, so why don't you, do you want to share what happened on June 24th? Or what is the most important part to you about June of 2019? Well, I want to like just talk about it fully because I think it will bring a lot of awareness for a lot of people that may have gone through the same thing. So okay. June 24th, 2019, I was 14 at the time. I was going to go to a rehearsal for a play I was doing oh, neat. at the time. So something, another passion of yours. Yes. Okay. And my mom had come home and she was acting really weird, talking about like a hyperbaric chamber for whatever reason. And I was very confused and concerned about it, but my brain just told me to brush it off and to be like, okay, can you take me to my uh, rehearsal now? Well, and, and let's just say, let's be fair to your heart. It wasn't just your heart that told you to brush it off. It was the actions of the adults in your life that told you to brush it off. Yes. Okay. I mean, you, you should honor the fact that you learned to ignore your gut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And, like, my mom went upstairs and she was um, just acting really weird. She tried to walk out of the house without a shirt on and a whole bunch of other things i was able to fix that got her to get a shirt on and i'm like all right let's get going i don't know why i was like like that i kept telling myself 
just to let her keep going. I knew something wasn't right, but my brain kept telling me, just let her go. Let's get in the car and go. Even though getting in the car probably wasn't the best idea. Well, and let's be fair, you were 14. So that responsibility wasn't really yours. Yeah. Okay. Let's um, let's just stop for a minute. So that really wasn't your responsibility to determine that. Also, you'd been trained not to pay attention to it. Yeah. And you are not responsible for what happened next. Yeah. Let's just be really clear about that. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. But um, like we were getting ready to go to the car, and my mom called my brother down. I was like, "Why are you calling Jonathan?" And she's all like, "Cause I want him to come with us." I'm like, "Okay." And I go ahead and get in the car. Jonathan comes down and goes outside towards the car. And I remember sitting in the front and looking at him and just like telling him, don't get in the car, don't get in the car, don't get in the car. He was 13, no, 12 at that time, about to be 13. He wanted to listen to what mom was saying. Fair enough. And so he got in the car. And then now on your shoulders is not only what you're ignoring in your gut, but also the fact that your brother's now entered the picture. Yes. Okay. And... My mom gets in the car, she doesn't put on her seatbelt, and she pulls out of the driveway, and we hadn't have even gotten out of our neighborhood before she almost hit a car, a parked car, and uh, we are like, you need to put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, and she didn't, and once we finally got out of the neighborhood, she started going about 75 or 85 miles an hour down just a normal road and going over the islands. Oh, swerving that, all over the place. That is a scary experience. And going up and down the islands on in my dad's truck. We were in my dad's truck at that time. And Jonathan's in the back freaking out. I'm sort of freaking out. And I just tell her, pull over. You need to pull over or I'm calling the cops. And she did. Uh, she pulled over. I hopped out of the car. I was trying to tell Jonathan to also get out of the car but he was freaking out too much and he didn't know what to do and he didn't want mom to be mad at him so he stayed in the car and mom drove off with jonathan in the back seat and with me on the sidewalk okay now is this a boulevard you're on yes uh oak valley okay in oak beaumont. valley road in beaumont okay yes and so after she took off and you're 14 on the side of the road what did you do I called my dad and said, hey, this is what's going on. I'm going to call the cops. And he said, don't. Don't get the cops involved. Uh, trying to, like, hide it and uh, not wanting any legal action to be done. So your brother's still in the car with your mom? Yes. And you are advised by your father not to call the cops? Yes. And what did you do? I ended up not calling the cops. I was on the phone. And then... My brother had his phone, and he called me, told me where they ended up, which was at the uh, mortuary down the street. Okay. So I walked down to the mortuary where they had parked. When I got there, my brother was like, I don't know what to do. Mom wants me to get in the car. I don't want to get in the car. So he had gotten out of the car at this point. Yes. So that's good. 
my mom came around the corner from where she parked uh, the truck. She is now out of the car. Yes. Okay. And she was like, I've been waiting for you. You guys need to get in the car. Come on, get in the car. And I told her we are not getting in that effing car. Okay. Flat out. And Jonathan's like, well, we should probably get in the car. She's going to get mad at us. I'm like, I don't care. You are not getting in that damn car. And the people that were working at the mortuary at that time came out and they're like, hey, is everything? Did they hear you guys yelling? Yeah. They okay. came out and they're like, is everything okay here? I'm like, no, everything is not okay. And I told the guy what was going on. Another guy went ahead and talked to my mom. And they brought me and Jonathan inside and they called the police, which is when they drug tested her and did like, can you walk in a straight line and all that, which she didn't pass. Right. And they cuffed her and took her off. Okay. Well, before we move forward, let's just unpack that story a little. One thing that I'm noticing is that this is a very, very scary moment in your life. Yes. Not only is it scary for you, but then you're scared for your mom and you're scared for your dad and you're scared for your brother and you're scared because police and all of this. And yet when you're telling the story, it's like you're telling it like you're a reporter who saw the facts. Do you notice that about yourself? About Yeah. Why do you think that is, that there's no emotion in your telling of the story? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'd rather not. And I really don't want to go completely into like a PTSD attack or like maybe it's easier to tell the facts and uh, show than people having to deal with the emotion part of it so that you know what more to look for, I guess. Like it's easier to understand when it's, so you're trying to be proactive for others yes. and that and that in you remaining calm and sharing these facts, you feel like that will yes. assist. I get that. I get that that I don't necessarily fully agree, but I get why you're thinking along those lines. I get it. And, you know, I'm certain that it's um, some sort of defense mechanism for yourself. Like, this is how you handle life, mm -hmm. you know, because if you fall apart, how are you going to handle it? Kind yeah. Of thing. My hope for you is that someday soon you can tell the story and completely fall the fuck apart. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Because it's in here, in this body of yours somewhere, those emotions. Mm -hmm. they're They're inside you. Yeah. And I just want to say right here and right now, if you ever get to the point where you feel like you just need to say it to someone and be allowed to fall apart, you always, always can call me. And by the way, if I don't answer on the first try, call me five, six, seven, eight, nine damn times. If it's that moment and you can feel it, get a hold of someone that is a safe space for you and let her rip. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not judging how you're doing it right now. I think it's really great that it's a clear story for everyone who's listening. I just know that your body is probably crying and trying to find a way to allow it to come out. Yeah, but it could also be I've told this story so many times over the past almost four years. And you do cry sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, I used to in the beginning, but right. now I kind of feel like I'm 
beating a dead horse somewhat, I guess, because of how many times I have told, have told it. Well, that that's you're definitely not ever beating a dead horse because it's your story and it's an important one. But if you're feeling like you're getting to a point where you're, you know, people say, you know, you've healed when you can tell the story and not fall apart about it. So mm -hmm. maybe that is where you're at. Probably. Yeah. And and how great is that, that you've taken the opportunity to share? I, I commend you for that. Mm -hmm. And I really also, again, appreciate the fact that you're willing to share this with my listeners. Yes, very much. There are moments in my own life that are somewhat similar to this with me being in your mom's position and my kids being in yours and Jonathan's position. And I, um, it, it, it makes me short of breath to hear you share the story mm -hmm. because I know that the pain and the confusion and the chaos was somewhat similar for my kids at times. And I, I, I feel for them. So I'm really grateful to be able to provide this platform for you to speak. Yes. And I'm really grateful that you're willing to be as open as you are because it helps me heal also, honestly. So that's not your job to help me heal, but it does help me heal. So I do appreciate it. Yeah. And I think it's very important that people hear the side of the children of I agree. addicts and alcoholics and stuff like that, because they too go through the trauma. Yes. And they're the innocent bystanders that get thrown into it. Absolutely. They are. And I want to be able to help other people that are going through it or have gone through it. That way they know they're not alone. And that's part of your redemption story is being able to help others that are in a position similar to you. Mm -hmm. And that that's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I think, I think that's what helps heal the world. Yeah. One person at a time living their truth. So... Okay, so um, you're inside the mortuary. Mm -hmm. Your mom is in the back of the police car. And who comes to talk to you? What's said? What are the next few steps for you? And then the cops take my mom to the Banning Jail. Okay. My. Does anyone come talk to you? Not that I remember. Okay. Um, I remember a lot of it, but some some pieces are All blacked right. out. Right. And then my aunt, uh, Amy, she came and picked us up. I'm guessing Amy is married to one of your mom's no. brothers. No. No, Amy is just my mom's uh, friend. Okay, got she's it. known for many years. And they allowed your mom's friend to come pick you up. Yes. I bet, I'm guessing your dad probably gave yeah. permission. Okay, got it. Yeah. And my dad was getting off work and coming to, to the house as quick as he could. And Amy took us home. To your home? Yeah. Okay. My dad got home. We went through and looked for all the drugs, all the... Who looked through for all the drugs? Me and my dad. Did you just choose to look through or did your dad ask you to look through? More than my dad did. So I was able to... And then I don't know what my dad did with them after we found them. Right. And my, then the rest of that day is kind of a blur. Okay. 
And Jonathan's at home now, too. Yeah, he's just downstairs and on his phone and doing his thing. And Yeah. And I went to bed, and my dad went ahead to go pick up my mom from the jail. And um, So I'm assuming there was some kind of bail? I don't know. It was, we might not know that right now. Yeah, I don't know that. Okay. And when he picked her up. While you were sleeping. Yeah. And this was at like 1 o'clock in the morning as my mom went to bed. And then she came into my room and said, I'm going to go get help. I'm going to HVRC. Hemet Valley Recovery Center, for those of you who are listening. And I hope you can forgive me. And I didn't talk to her. I didn't even open my eyes. I knew she was there. I was awake. I just, uh uh-huh. Yeah. You go do that. Whatever. Now, your mom had been to several rehabs prior to this choice to go to the, or this time to go to HVRC. Did you, were you aware of those? No, not at that time. Well, I was after my dad had talked to me. About but how but at that point, this was like the first time you knew she was going to get help. Yes. You were not aware of all the other times. No. Because there were multiple other times. Yeah, and I was just really young. And I yeah. didn't understand. But gotcha. And they just probably said mom's going to the doctor or whatever. You know yeah. what that is. And they were just, you know, <clears throat> like she was there for like a week for detox. And then they gotcha. Gotcha. So this is the first time you're fully aware of exactly what's happening. And you know she's she's gone somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So your dad drove her that day? Yes. And that day was the 25th. And that day was the 25th. So it was literally the next day that she went in. Okay. When he came home, was anything discussed? Like, what was that like for you? My dad had, like, told me about, like, all, like a few other times where she had. That day when he came home. Yeah, like we had conversations of like other times that she had been to rehab and uh, also jail and all that. What was that like hearing all that? It was a what the fuck. Yeah. Just, oh, okay. Why the hell have I been lied to my entire life? Um, were you putting the pieces together that you felt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was putting a whole bunch of pieces together and a lot of my life made sense in that moment. Gotcha. A lot of the, like, things that I do remember from when I was really young. Yeah. All made sense in that moment. So a bit of validation for you Mm -hmm. knowing that. Yeah. And it was also just a feeling of you've known who she has been this entire time, and yet you let your kids be in that danger, knowing, like, and it was just like a betrayal. And you felt anger, yeah, at your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I understand those feelings. I understand what you're saying. Explain that a little bit. Like, did you discuss that with him at all? Was it kind of just something you swallowed or took to your room? Like, how did that work for you? I believe there was a time where I did talk to him about that. Like, why the hell would you stay with someone, especially if you have kids? Like, why would you put them in that danger? I'm pretty sure we had that conversation. A lot of after that moment is a blur. Okay. You had a lot of high emotions running the the month or so after she first went in, from what I understand. And, And sometimes when you're feeling 
when you're in the feeling so much, it's hard to logically recall, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that's not so easy to do. So I, I get, it makes perfect sense what you're saying. Yeah. But I remember just being like, why, why would you, you know, this is going on. And instead of getting away from that situation and getting and making sure your kids are safe, you just let us stay with that. I think it also stems from my dad's past with his mom being a drug addict and mm, yes his trauma with that and and probably his his protection mode or his defense mechanism with mom i mean i'm not a psychologist i should not be guessing through all the shit but but it was probably just to you know not pay too close attention and, and sometimes we bring those things into our not sometimes every time we bring those things into our marriages it's what mm -hmm. we do if we haven't learned to deal with it it just added a lot more to how i was already feeling yeah you know beforehand yeah and it was a lot like my brother would call my mom every day and talk well to she her, was in treatment would call and talk to her all the time i'm like how in the hell are you still okay with her right after that she like nearly killed us and yet you're like oh mom i miss you i don't understand and i'm over here like screw you so really in in that month of june 2019 you you learned things about your dad you learned things about your mom you learned things about your brother that you were not a fan of yeah did you feel isolated i did very much and i was like why am i the only one that's angry why right. am i the only one that seems to not let this slide right like, why is everybody else just letting it slide? And I'm just like, right. I'm the only one that's like, get your head out of your asses and look at the problem here. Yeah. Did you feel crazy? A little bit. I'm like, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it really isn't that big a deal. Yeah. You weren't overreacting, just so you know. Yeah. And I'm like, makes no sense to me. But yeah, that's a tough thing when, when you, when your gut and everything in you is saying, this is a problem, yet no one around wants to talk about it or discuss it or address it. Mm -hmm. That's a very unpeaceful feeling. Yes. Yeah, and it wasn't fun to deal with because Jonathan didn't want to talk about it. Dad would just kind of push it away because he didn't want to face that either. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like standing, sitting there like, okay, so I have to do this on my own. Come on. Well, I have to say, as much as that is frustrating for you, I commend you for actually dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, that's a defense mechanism of, and you're going to have a harder time trusting others through this, but you can learn that. Mm -hmm. And and what is beautiful is that you have not denied the truth that you know. Yeah. And, and I have to say that that, I think denying your own truth does a lot of damage. Because then you have no center point. You have no North Star within yourself. Yeah. And so I really commend you for not letting yourself be convinced that you are wrong. Yeah. And, like, my grandma helped me Good. through, like, everything that was going on. It's really important to have people outside your own mom and dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. And, and I don't, I believe this since I raised my kids. My kids are 30 and 26. and and 
I always wanted to make sure that they had good adults around them because I knew I didn't know the answer to everything. I knew I didn't have knowledge of thing of all the things that my kids might care about or and so I feel really strongly that if you surround your family unit with adults you trust, then your kids can find good advice, you know, when they need it. And so I think it's really good that you reached out and that you have relationships beyond your mom and dad. Yeah. And a lot of the information I did learn, like about how long my mom was doing it and like how many rehabs and all that she's been through was all from my grandma. Yeah. She was the only one open to talk about it. She's like, oh yeah, let me tell you <laughs> where my dad is all like, eh, let's just, let's talk about that another day. Yeah. Yeah. Or my grandma's like, oh, honey, buckle in. It's unfortunate that sometimes we as parents can't, we get in the way of our children's growth because of the fact that we don't have the capacity to look at it as freshly as they can. Does that make sense to yeah. you? Yeah. Is there anything about your mom's rehab, anything about the last three and a half years that you'd like to share in experience, what you've seen? Because I know you've been a big part. I know you were really angry at her and maybe still have some of that anger, but you also have really gotten to know a lot of the people that are her support system, me included. Yeah. Looking at the amazing group of people my mom now has makes me less afraid that she's going to relapse. Like, especially through everything that has happened this year, I had that fear of this is going to be it. This is what's going to make her relapse. Like, right. Everything's just going to go to shit even more. And I always worried every day. Every day while I was at school, I'm like, she's going to relapse. She's going to relapse. But she didn't because she had you guys. She had you, Diane, Yvonne, Christina, just everyone else. And you guys were all there for her. And it gave me a sense of, okay, I don't need to be the one to worry about. This, this isn't right. my issue to worry about right now. And she is staying true to herself. And she's figuring this out on her own. And she's making it. So Yeah. I would guess that that's a really beautiful thing to be able to watch mm -hmm. mom handling mom. And part of mom handling mom was creating that safety net of, of women around her. Yeah. That love her and support her and call her to task, mm -hmm. you know, and check in to make sure that she wasn't on the verge, things like that. Yeah. And it was, uh, this year was also very difficult. Well, let, let's let's go back to what this year has been. What Do you want to share anything about that? This year was like an entire uprooting of my family. Uh, it happened Super Bowl Sunday when all of this really started. So February of this year, when my dad presented me with the question of how would you feel if I divorced your mom? And I thought it was just going to be a question and like maybe he'll ponder it maybe he's just speaking out loud you know right and he just probably just wants to talk about it you know because he's feeling a certain way so i answered honestly what i didn't know was that what was your answer my answer was i'd be okay with it okay um because i actually had been wanting it for a while because 
it was just things were kind of bad, you know? Yeah, kids usually know what's going on. I didn't know that my response and me answering it truthfully would lead my dad to the decision making without even consulting my mom about it. Okay, let's just say right now and right here. One, it was not your responsibility to give your dad permission and it was wrong for him to ask you that. Mm -hmm. Two, what that's training you to do is not be honest because the consequences are so fucking huge. Mm -hmm. So know that you as a person at 16 at that point should not have been given that responsibility. Yeah. And I love your dad. I love your dad to death. I love your mother. But I'm going to say that right now to your face because you, first of all, were too afraid to say what you're answer was I had to stop and ask you to say what your answer was so you were holding back a little still mm -hmm. and I want you to know that was not your responsibility to be given it was not yeah okay so your dad basically thought in his mind the relationship's over with your mom and he began another relationship with a co-worker yes okay got it and he told my mom that he wanted a divorce over phone. Got it. Instead of face to face and in person, he said over phone that I want to divorce. Okay. By that point, I had already known that my dad was going to divorce my mom for about three days. Did you know about the affair? No, not at that moment. No. Okay. So here you had a secret. Yes. Again, that's bigger than what you should be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. I remember my mom coming home because she was on her way to a funeral when my dad said the news. Wow, that's rough. Uh-huh. Okay. I remember my mom coming home and I can see the look on her face. She wouldn't say anything. She didn't say anything. She was just really sad and I knew. As she walked in the door, I was like, oh, fuck. He actually said it. Yeah. So there's that. And Jonathan just thought, oh, she's sad because she just came home from a funeral. Right. Another situation in which your brother has the luxury of being naive. Naive. And you do not. Mm -hmm. Again, birth order, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I didn't say anything about it. And I just kind of went to bed. I gave mom hugs, you know, and I just kind of went to bed. And the next morning... It was Thursday morning. I looked at her hand and she didn't have her ring on. And I knew. And I'm like, well, <laughs> well, shit. Shit just got real. Yeah. Also, let me backtrack because I just remembered something that yeah. my brother was concerned of how sad my mom was. And my mom didn't think, didn't think that I knew already. So she pulled Jonathan into the front room and told him. Got it. She eventually told him, but was like, keep it a secret from your sister until I can A lot talk of secrets going on. Until I can talk to her. But yeah. she didn't know that I was Already the knew. first person to know. Yeah. And that Thursday morning, I'm like, we went to school, which was not a good idea. Because I knew what was going on. Jonathan was really, really sad. And we talked about it. At school, we called mom and we're like, we need to come home. Like, 
her job was like, I want to come home. I'm way too sad. I don't want to be here. Um, that's when I finally called mom and was like, I hope you know I've known since Sunday what dad was going to do. So me and my mom talked for like an hour and a half as she was getting ready to come pick us up from school. And on our way home, when she picked us up, we had looked at Life 360. And my dad you had what? looked at Life 360, which is a tracking app, you know? So you looked at that with your mom? Yeah. And we were on our phones because we were able to track our dad. He had turned oh. off the tracking. Oh, okay. And that's when we kind of figured something else was up. Yeah, because my. So Life 360, let's just be clear, because not everybody has these things, is where you as a family can track each other. Yes. Okay. And. And that was part of what kept you kids safe. And then that way you knew mom, oh, dad's on his way home, you know, from work. Because your dad works night shifts also and stays like 36 hours or 72, 48, 72, 72 hours. Because yeah. he's an EMT or was an EMT. So I just want to be clear for the people who are listening. Okay, go ahead. And we're like, oh, shit, he never turns it off. He's always bitching at us to keep our location on. So why would he turn off his? Right. And my um, brother decided to call my dad to test out a theory. And my dad answered, but the room was completely quiet that he was in. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just doing, um, what do you call it? Errands. I'm mm -hmm. running errands. But the room was completely quiet. Like you didn't hear like a normal store, like music overhead or people talking or walking, which that lie already went out the window at that moment yeah because of the context clues around it yeah listener lesson here don't be stupid enough to think your kids don't know yeah so, go ahead um we kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt for a little while and then he started not coming home on saturdays or fridays and would stay at work in quotations yeah until like saturday or sunday Gotcha. But he was actually with a co-worker. Gotcha. Apparently that happened about a, like, they were a thing for, like, about a week before my dad even said anything to my mom about wanting a divorce or saying anything to me. Gotcha. And that really just uprooted everyone's life. Well, yes. And more chaos. Yeah. It was a, just a living hell for, like, three weeks or three months before my mom finally kicked my dad out. And so for three months, he lived at the house while having an affair, knowing that your parents were going to get a divorce. And then finally your mom kicked him out. Yes. And before my mom kicked him out, this was March 5th. They said that they were going to get back together and that he had ended it with the coworker. Oh. And I was at my military ball at this time. And... I remember them coming up the escalator, holding hands. I'm like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Yeah. What the hell are you two doing? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're getting back together. I'm like, uh, mm, what? Another confusing yeah. situation. Yep. But that only lasted a few days okay. before my dad went back to the coworker. And then got kicked out. And then got kicked out. Okay. It's been quite a year for you. Yes. Just so the listeners know, 
much has happened since then and yes. some healing, some big healings happened in the family. But what I really want to recognize before anything is the fact that you and your mom handled the year of mm -hmm. emotions and got yourself through without the negative behaviors and the self-harming and the addictions. Yeah. Kicking back in, which that's a big deal. And that's to be commended in a big way. And I think it's really great that you had the opportunity to watch your mom walk through that without returning to her drugs. Yes. It was a very good thing to watch. Yeah. And it makes me know that if something like that were to happen again, that my mom would be able to get through it. Yeah. You know? She's a little stronger these days. Yes. And and how beautiful a thing is that to know it takes the weight off of you. Yeah. But uh, this year was just full of confusion and guilt and... Guilt because you knew? Yeah. And feeling played and... More anger. confusion. Mm hmm Yeah. How are you now? Because I know that your parents have worked on quite a few things. And they are back in relationship and your dad is back at home. Mm-hmm. How, how is that going for you? I'm very apprehensive about it still. Okay. But my dad's been back for, what, four months? Yeah. Things have been good for, like, four months. I'm still apprehensive. Very just, like, still trying to... Uh, do, you, do you see differences? I didn't mean to cut you off. I sincerely apologize no. for that. I'm just... Do you see a difference in who they are now versus who they were before all that went down? Yeah, I do. Okay. Definitely. They're a lot more loving towards each other. Okay. But for me, it's kind of like... You're just not sure. Yeah, I'm like... On my end, I'm like, first off, me personally, I wouldn't have taken somebody back after they cheated on me and, like, all that. I personally wouldn't have done that. But you also wouldn't have been the husband who still had your mom as a wife. Mm hmm Right? Yeah. So, so you have some very strong feelings about that for yourself, mm -hmm. if you had you been in those situations. But, but that's not who your mom and dad are. No, but I'm like, for me, it's kind of like, ew. Mm. And it's also like, who's to say he won't do it again? You well, know? who's to say she won't? And I'm like... Who's to say she won't, Ash? Who's to say she won't go get drugs? But I, what I'm saying is it's a, I don't trust anyone now in the house. I get it. I get it. That's what I want you to get. That's what I wanted to hear you say. And I will tell you, anytime you love people, that you run the risk. You run the risk of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. You really do. It, you can't love without that risk. Yeah. However, that's also sometimes how we grow a little bit. Like, I think your mom has grown tremendously through this experience, I think. But I'm not in the house either. So, and I'm also not a kid. I'm not a kid at the whim of your mom and dad. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so as an under 18 person, you are pretty much what their decisions are creates your life, creates your environment. So I can see where your hesitancy is in a big way. Yeah. I am just less trustful now, I guess. Yeah. And I'm even more wary than I already was. Yeah. I get that. I mean, it, it's understandable that those are where you're, where you're at with your mentally, you know, makes mm -hmm. sense. 
the experiences of your life have have created circumstances in which any normal person would come out that way with some hesitancy of trusting people. Yeah, and a lot of it was feeling like I felt like I didn't have enough time to uh, how do you say it like process uh, process everything. Like everything was just going, 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 and uh, my brain couldn't process. You couldn't keep up. No. <clears throat> yeah, I was like. Okay, so they're getting a divorce. Oh, no, they're getting together. They're still getting a divorce. Yeah. Okay, he's kicked out. Oh, wait, he's moving back in? Oh, wait, now we're moving. Yeah, because you guys all moved as a family, too. And he's helping us move, and now he's going to live in this new house that you've been telling me this is our new start. Right. Without him, but now he's going to be part of this, and right. my brain is going all over the place. And then you add... Me also being in high school. Right. Yeah. Which that in and of itself is enough. And that drama (laughs) and the toxic people I called friends then. Yeah. Who wouldn't even let me talk about the issues I was going through because they would tell me it was invalidating their feelings when I would try and talk to them about what was going on with me. Yeah. That's not good. So that didn't help either. Yeah. And it was just now beforehand when you didn't know everything with about your mom, it was confusion. Mm-hmm. And now it's confusion in a different way because it's happening so fast and you're processing at a slower rate than it's happening. And that's really difficult, mm-hmm. you know, because you feel a little overwhelmed, I'm sure, which I panic and anxiety. That is exactly what causes that. Yeah. So. I am curious now that we're getting towards the end here, what do you think or how do you feel about the situation? I know you don't trust it entirely. I get that wholeheartedly, but are you, does it seem healthier, the situation for you in your life? Yes. And no. Okay. It's great to see my parents like, really loving each other now and really like giving each other hugs and kisses all the time and being really nice to one another all the time um there's a different vibe there okay but for me it feels like i was just thrown into this thing of trauma yeah and i'm not allowed to feel it that's what i feel like okay like everyone else has processed it and moved on but I'm still processing. But you're still it. processing. I'm and... still back here and everyone's all the way up here. Right. And I feel bad, you know, for like. For feeling? For still like wanting to process it and go through it while everyone else has already moved on and living their lives. Now, you have to be true to you, though. Yes. I mean, if there's anything that you can take from this conversation, please know that guilt or feeling bad about your own feelings helps nobody, including your mom and dad and your brother. Yeah. Really? So I know you see a therapist and I think that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Just so everybody knows she's fine with me saying that on camera. I don't want anybody to think I surprised you with that. <laughs> um, and I know that that's really good. I'm so glad that you're able to take care of yourself. And last night you and I went to a ceremony, a new moon ceremony. Mm-hmm. And there was like, what, seven women in that room? Yeah. It was really great for me 
to feel cared for in that room. And I, and I loved what you shared. Do you want to talk about that experience at all? Um, that was really nice to finally have a sense of calm. Yeah. That I hadn't felt in a while. It was just there in the moment and feel a calm feeling the entire time because my brain has been going, 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 going. My emotions have been going, going, going. I've never been actually able to just sit and just be there. Yeah. With a whole bunch of other people and just be in the moment. Yeah. Without like having an anxiety attack or panic attack or thinking about other things. Yeah. I was just able to sit there and just be calm. Yeah. I, th I think, honestly, I think it would read that resonated with everybody in the room, you know, because they, everybody was talking about their panic and their emotions and their all of these things mm -hmm. and their anxiety. And I think it was so perfect that it was the seven of us women in that room because we all felt like, oh, no, don't feel weird about your emotions. Don't feel weird about having anxiety. We oh, we're all here, too. You know, mm -hmm. it was really nice to have you in that room also to hear mothers and daughters talking about being mothers and daughters because that that was a big topic at the beginning and that's just a tricky it's a tricky relationship sometimes yeah and it was cool to hear from other people that they were going through or feeling the same way i feel yes like them being the oldest yes. daughter and feeling like they got jack shit and the younger one is getting all the love and the attention and yeah. all the rainbows and daisies yeah like the oldest were talking about how they got no understanding from their mom and and how they they watched their siblings get all this understanding and acceptance and 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 then i discussed my relationship with my oldest and and that i i didn't always know how to be correct and mm -hmm. I didn't always make the right choices. And um, and when I was apologizing to all the women in the room for that, I felt energetically like I was apologizing to my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And and I think they felt that too, because like that one girl sitting next to me, that was a big experience for her. How was that for you when I made that apology that I'm sorry that I... I didn't know to accept you. I didn't know that that was the way to go. It was, I was going to have like about the same reaction that the girl next to you had. Had, yeah. yeah. So it was powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad because it was powerful for me to be able to say it, you know, because it's, it's awkward when you say it to your actual daughter. Like there's so much on that. She feels the, the weight of having to respond you are embarrassed and nervous. You know, it, it was really beautiful to just be able to say it and Enough. not have that dynamic in there. Yeah. Well, Ash, I really, really appreciate this whole week with you. I love spending time with you. I like that you let me know you. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really grateful that you spoke to my audience. Yes. Thank you for having me. And thank you guys for listening. Um, and I hope you can take something from my experiences and help other people if need be. All right. Goodbye for now. Bye. Thank you all for listening. You are beautiful, each and every one of you. I invite you to be the light and love you wish to see in our world. Have a lovely day.